0: Father, bless these words to our hearts in Jesus' name. Turn in your Bibles, please, to 1 Samuel chapter 9. Now, while you are turning there, in 1 Samuel fifteen twenty-two, the Word of God says that God does not delight so much in sacrifices and offerings. God doesn't delight in people's religious traditions. God doesn't delight in what people are trying to do for Him or what people are doing religiously, more so, apart from Him. God likes
1: obedience. God wants obedience.
0: Now, there are times when people are not obedient. And it's Strictly, really, in the end, a question of humility. In order for me to have a faith response to God, and that's what obedience really is, I do certain things because I trust God and I know that this is the will of God. I don't do them to be religious. I don't even do them to be pleasing to God. A lot of people say, well, you have to be pleasing to God. How are you going to do that with an old sin nature? God calls us unprofitable servants. So drop the idea of trying to be pleasing to God. God's not looking for you to be pleasing to him. What's pleasing to God is what Christ has done for you and therefore who you are because of what Christ has done for you. That's pleasing to God. But in and of yourself, in and of your own efforts, that doesn't go anywhere with God. What we require is humility. Now, today's kids' message is going to be a good bit different than most of them because I'm going to tell you a true story. And it is in the Bible. I'm not going to give you the whole thing because most of 1 Samuel is occupied with this. But I do want to bring up certain things about it. There was this guy named Saul. Now Saul became the very first king in Israeli history. And verse 1 of 1 Samuel 9 said, There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Bekerath, the son of Aphiah. God wanted you to make sure you knew exactly which one he's talking about. A Benjaminite. That meant he was from the tribe of Benjamin. A mighty man of power. And he had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upward he was taller than any of the people. So here you had this guy who was a really good-looking guy, strapping young lad.
1: Women would swoon over this guy.
0: And this guy was selected by God. Now, God didn't want to select him. That's the ironic thing about it. God did not want Israel to have a king. God wanted to be the one who led Israel directly. There were times when he would use people, mostly the old prophets, the main prophets. They were called seers back in those days because God often spoke to them in a dream. And then they would tell what they saw in their dreams. So people would seek out the seer. And those were the people who really gave God's definition to Israel because they had it. And then also, once in a while, there would be some leader who would come in and deliver Israel, usually militarily, when they got in trouble with their neighbors. But they didn't have a king for a long time. And Israel wanted to be like the other nations, and they wanted a king, and God didn't want to give them one. But because they insisted, God told Samuel to give him a king, and he picked the king. And in verse 15, Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear the day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow about this time I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him commander over my people Israel, that he may save my people from the hand of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people because their cry has come to me. So when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, There he is, the man of whom I spoke to you. This one shall reign over my people. Now, when Samuel saw Saul, Saul had absolutely no idea. This was nowhere on Saul's radar. Saul was just a guy and he went out looking for his father's donkeys because his father's donkeys ran away. They got out of the pen. And they didn't know where they were. He was on his way to look for the donkeys, minding his own business, not really looking for anything, not expecting anything. And in verse 20, Samuel, when he meets Saul, he says to him, On whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on you and all your father's house? And Saul answered and said, Am I not a Benjaminite, the smallest of the tribes of Israel, and my family, the least of all the families in the tribe of Benjamin? Now, this was really a good attitude.
1: He was like, who am I?
0: Don't think I'm anything. Who am I? Why would you pick me? Why would you think that? Why would anybody put their hope on me? Who am I? And this was a good attitude for him to have, especially for a guy who was a strapping, handsome guy, to say, who am I? This was a great attitude. He was not puffed up. He was not anything. He was simply a humble guy, going about his business, helping his dad and his whatever he was doing, and taking care of things. And then, in 10.20, Samuel says, When Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. And when he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matri was chosen, and Saul, the son of Kish, was chosen. But when they sought him, they could not find him. Therefore, they inquired of the Lord further, Has the man come here yet? And the Lord answered, There he is, hiding among the equipment. So they ran and brought him from there, and when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, Do you see him whom the Lord has chosen, that there is no one like him among all the people? So all the people shouted and said, Long live the king. Now when it was time for him to become king, to be anointed king,
1: to be chosen, He hid.
0: He did not see his ability to do this at all. He hid. This is a very good practice for people when God wants them to do something. Not so much to hide, but to see themselves as, I don't have the ability. Because if you recognize the fact that in yourself you don't have the ability, then you will be available for God's ability in you. God never asks, you to do anything of yourself or by yourself. God will always provide you with everything you need, including wisdom, including talent in some cases. When the artisans were building the temple, like the woodwork in the temple, for example, the Holy Spirit came on them to make sure they had the talent to do it correctly. He'll give you absolutely everything you need, both internally and externally, for everything that he has for you. Don't ever say to yourself, I'm going to do this on my own. I can handle it. It's not a good idea. You can't. How in the world can a person do the things of God? You can't. But if I'm available, then God will do them for me, through me. God doesn't necessarily require the credit in that regard that he wants people seeing him do it. He'll let people see you do it, but make sure that you understand and then they will also, that it was God who was doing it through you. And that's where Saul was at this point of his life. Saul was saying, I don't want to do anything of this. I don't have this ability. I'm just a Benjaminite and I'm not even a very important Benjaminite. I'm nothing. I don't have it. And the God says, that's exactly why I'm choosing you. Because you think you're nothing and you think you don't have it. That means that you will be available to me. Now there were people who didn't like this in verse 27 of chapter 10, 1 Samuel. And they said, these were called rebels, and they said, how can this man save us? So they despised him and brought him no presents. It was commonplace to give the new king a gift. They didn't give him any gifts. They didn't like the fact that this was happening. But Saul held his peace. At this point, there was no ego operating. Okay, you don't want me. I understand. That's fine. That's okay. You have the right to not want me there. That's your opinion. That's fine. I'm not going to retaliate against you. I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm not politically motivated. I'm just after what God wants. This was a good attitude.
1: Now. In Samuel 11, one,
0: Neshesh the Ammonite, the Ammonites were enemies of Israel, came up and encamped against Jabesh Gilead, and all the men of Jabesh said to Nash, Make a covenant with us and we will serve you. Jabesh Gilead was a part of Israel. And Neshesh the Ammonite answered them, On this condition will I make a covenant with you. In other words, make a peace agreement and we'll be your servants if you Make a peace agreement with us. He says, okay, I'll do it on one condition. This is a heck of a condition. That I may put out your right eye. (laughs) Every one of you is going to lose his right eye.
1: And bring reproach on all Israel.
0: Then they were thinking twice. Then the elders of Jabesh said to him, hold off for seven days. Hold on here, let me think about this. That we may send messengers to all the territory of Israel and then if there's no one to save us, we will come out to you. In verse 5, now there was Saul and he was just appointed king. Just appointed king. Coming behind the herd from the field. He was so new at being king, he was still tending his father's flock. Coming behind the herd from the field, Saul said, What troubles the people that they weep? And they told him the words of the men of Jabesh. Then the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard this news, and his anger was greatly aroused. So he took the yoke of oxen and cut them in pieces and sent them throughout all the territory of Israel by the hands of messengers, saying... Whoever does not go out with Saul and Samuel to battle, so it will be done to his oxen. And the fear of the Lord fell on the people, and they came out with one consent. When he numbered them in Bezek, get this, the children of Israel were 300,000, and the men of Judah were 30,000, so they had 330,000 men show up. And they said to the messengers who came, Thus shall you say to the men of Jabesh-Gilead, Tomorrow by the time the sun is hot, you shall have help. Then the messengers came and reported it to the men of Jabesh, and they were glad. And then in verse 11, So it was on the next day that Saul put the people in three companies, and they came into the midst of the camp in the morning, watch, and killed Ammonites until the heat of the day. And it happened that those who survived were scattered so that no two of them were left together. Then the people said to Samuel, Who is he who said, Shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men that we may put them to death. But Saul said, Not a man shall be put to death this day, for today the Lord accomplished salvation in Israel. What an attitude. This guy is amazing. I say, let's have Saul for president. What an incredibly amazing attitude this guy
1: had. Somebody had a need in the territory of Israel. And Saul said, we are going to go help them. And he didn't leave it up to them. He wasn't asking for volunteers. We are going to go help our people.
0: 330,000 man army went up against the Ammonites. The Ammonites were not expecting this. Jabesh Gilead was obviously a very weak area. That's why they went after them, because they didn't have much in the way of defenses for themselves. And then they find themselves facing a 330,000
1: man army. That's impressive.
0: 330,000 man army by today's standards is impressive. And so this is what these guys did. Saul mustered them up. He said, people need help. I'm going to go help them. He got this victory. And then the people who were then trying to ingratiate themselves to Saul said, hey, listen, there were people who weren't happy that you're king. We should go and take care of them. We got to kill them. And Paul said, no. We're not going to do that. No. We had a great victory. Nobody's going to die in Israel today. We're going to celebrate this victory. We're not going to deal with stupidity. Not today. This was a really godly attitude. But then something happened. In 1 Samuel 13 verse 1, when Saul was king for two years, Saul went and he attacked a garrison of Philistines. Why he did that? I don't know. That's kind of what those guys did. They did attacks and war for sport. The way we play football, they went to war. And they went and they attacked a garrison of the Philistines. The Philistines were a very powerful army. They were a neighboring nation, but they were enemies. And they became an abomination to the Philistines. And it says in verse 4, And the people were called together to Saul at Gilgal. Then the Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen. And people as the sand, which is on the seashore in multitude, and they came up and encamped at Mishmash to the east of Beth-Avon. And the men of Israel saw that they were in danger for the people were distressed. Then the people hid in caves and thickets and rocks and holes and pits. And in verse 8, Then Saul waited seven days. According to the time said by Samuel, But Samuel did not come to Gilgal and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, Bring a burnt offering and a peace offering here to me. And he offered the burnt offering Now it happened as soon as he has finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him and Samuel said, What have you done? Saul was not to make an offering. Saul did it because his soldiers became afraid. He was not to make the offering. He was supposed to wait for Samuel. Why did he make the offering? Because he stopped trusting God. Somewhere during that two-year period, and it only took two years, this is the deceitful nature of human nature. It was no longer, I'm nothing, how can I possibly? It was no longer, let's do the right thing before God. It was no longer, Israel was attacked, we're not having any of this. Now it
1: became about Him. When it becomes
0: about you, watch out. So one of the things sometimes I wish I could say to people in leadership, particularly pastors, although most pastors do not have this issue, once in a while you run across some who do. When it's about you, it's time to step aside. Because it's never about you. Ever. It became about Saul. And so when Saul saw that people were leaving him and that there wasn't gonna be a good solution to this, he decided When Samuel wasn't coming, when he was expecting him, he's going to do the offering. He no longer respected what the offering meant. He no longer respected the ways of God. And Samuel said to him, what have you done? And Saul told him, listen, I saw what was going on. I saw that these people were coming against us. I saw our people were running away. I made an offering. And Samuel in verse 13 said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God and she commanded you for now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever but now your kingdom shall not continue. And get this next part. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart.
1: Saul was supposed to be the one not David whose kingdom would continue forever. But Saul lost his heart after God.
0: That was the fatal mistake. Saul became self-oriented, it became about him, and he lost his heart after God. Young people, never lose your heart after God. In anything that you're doing, God will do it for you. He will help you in every way so long in Matthew 6.33 as so long as you are seeking first the kingdom of God. Now the world is going to try to convince you otherwise.
1: But the world is lying.
0: Because Satan is the god of this world system. And he is a liar. If he is talking, he is lying. And so don't believe him. Never lose your heart after God. Never think that you've gotten to a point in your life where you don't have to obey God, where you don't have to seek Him, where you don't have to rely on Him. That is pure deception. That point doesn't exist in anyone's life. People think it does, and therefore they walk away from Him, but the results are obvious. The world is in the way that it is today in this terrible shape because people said to themselves, I don't need God anymore. I don't have to obey him. I don't have to seek him. I can do what I want. Our country, for example, and this is not to be political, this is just an example. Our country is in a lot of trouble. We've got problems that are just incredible. They can be resolved if people use wisdom. But one of the people who causes these types of problems, I'm not going to mention the name, is a congressman who is one of the people who really attacked President Trump big time. Whether you agree with Trump or not, it doesn't matter. This congressman said, Congress is not interested
1: in the will of God.
0: Well, then Congress is set to be a Drastic failure if Congress is not interested in the will of God. Now, I don't believe that every congressman has that view. But this was a very highly placed congressman, very influential. And he says, Congress is not interested in the will of God. Well, why do you think that we have the problems we do? And it's not just political. It's all kinds of stuff. Social, economic, everything. If you go after the will of God, God will show you how to do everything. You don't have to be into anything religious. If you are a businessman, God will show you how to be a businessman. If you are an artist, God will show you how to be an artist. If you are a doctor, God will show you how to be a doctor. If you are a teacher, an accountant, a librarian, whatever it is. God will show you how. And he will
1: give you the ability to be excellent at it. If you seek the will of God. Nobody has
0: the abilities that God has. And God is willing to give you his abilities if you seek the will of God. Later on in verse 10, now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. Then in verse 17, so Samuel said to Saul, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not the head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel Now the Lord sent you on a mission. And he said, go and utterly destroy the sinners and the Amalekites and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? Saul was sent to fight against the Amalekites because the Amalekites did terrible things to Israel. And this was God's retribution for this. God wanted this. God said, don't spare any of them. Now, the Amalekites, don't get too sentimental toward them. They were very wicked. This was a heinous little land. They were a nasty bunch.
1: And God said, I've had it with these guys.
0: And he said to Saul, destroy all of them. But Saul didn't. Saul spared the king And then he spared anything that he felt was valuable. And God said, don't do that. God said, get rid of all of it. Why? This was a kingdom issue. Governments and countries are frequently seriously influenced
1: by demons. When he didn't kill the
0: animals, he wasn't thinking about it, but demons can enter into animals. They can pass through animals. When Jesus cast out the demons, the demons went into the pigs. They can dwell animals. God did not want any influence, demonic influence, from the Amalekites coming over to Israel. But Saul looked at things by sight and he said, No, no, I'm going to do it my way because these things have value. Animals are useful. The best of the sheep, that's useful.
1: The king of the Amalekites, that's useful.
0: And then, Samuel said to him in verse 22 of 1 Samuel 15, he said, Has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Just obey the voice of the Lord. Young people, learn to obey the voice of the Lord. It's simple as that. Learn to obey the voice of the Lord. The result was in First 1 Samuel 16.3 that God chose another king. He chose David. David was still a kid and God chose him. Because God was looking for somebody who had a heart after God and David had a heart after God. David was not a perfect man by any measure. David had a ton of problems and he made a ton of mistakes. But David's heart was after God. And in verse 13, the Spirit of the Lord came on David. And in verse 14, the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. When that happened, an evil spirit came in. And that evil spirit really plagued Saul. One of the things is it made him incredibly paranoid. And they had this battle against the Philistines. David did great. And then in 1 Samuel 18:7, after David did great in this battle against the Philistines, it says, So the women sang and danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Then Saul was very angry. And the saying displeased him, and he said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands. To me they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward. When you get self-centered, you get
1: paranoid. You get jealous. You get envious.
0: You stop trusting the people who are on your side. David was on Saul's side. David wanted nothing more than to see Saul do really well. He was very faithful to Saul. And yet Saul got jealous because David was successful in being faithful to Saul. That was from an evil spirit. That evil spirit came in because of self-centeredness. The Word of God says, don't make a provision for your old sin nature. Now, it's not just that you're making a provision for your old sin nature to live outside of faith and stuff like that. That actually opens doors to spirits, evil spirits, demons. And there are Christians who can have demonic influence in their life. That's what happened to Saul. Saul was saved. The Bible tells us this.
1: But he lost his heart after God. In
0: the end of his life, after Samuel died, he had so little ability to hear from God. At one point, when he was first chosen to be king, he went over to the prophets and he prophesied with them. He had this great thing going with God and he lost it. And then at the end of his life, he had so so little going on with God, he couldn't hear from God at all that he went to a witch and he asked her to ask God on his behalf. Actually, he asked her to conjure up Samuel because he couldn't hear from God. There was a point where Saul wouldn't allow any witches in Israel and that was right. Witches trafficking demons, they're Satan worshippers.
1: He went to a Satan worshiper. The next day he was dead. Saul died the sin unto physical death. Why did that happen to him? He lost humility.
0: Young people, humility is everything. Saul started so well and ended so badly because he lost Humility. When he lost humility, he became self-oriented. When he became self-oriented, he stopped listening to God. When he stopped listening to God, everything else was a disaster, and he gave room to the devil to operate in his life, and the devil did. And then not only does he not get for his family to maintain the kingdom, He gets killed early. He didn't have to
1: die that young. But God took him home because of the sin unto
0: physical death. He had tremendous opportunities. Your opportunities will be realized if you approach things in humility. But Saul lost humility
1: and he lost his opportunities. What happens in colleges? Humility is lost because self is elevated very frequently in
0: colleges and universities, the secular ones. If you elevate self, there's no way for you to operate in faith. There's only sin. It's Romans 14.23. Don't do that. You will have God working for you Helping you, you will have God's influence in your life, you will have God's wisdom, God's direction, everything that you could possibly need. You will have it from God. As long as you are humble and you are seeking first the kingdom of God. Humility and seeking first the kingdom of God come together.
1: But if you lose that, then you lose
0: everything. People sometimes say, ah, I haven't lost anything. Okay, so I'm a little bit this or a little, oh, I'm just going to have some fun or oh, I'm just looking for something or whatever. They don't actually say to themselves, I'm going to lose humility. But they do start to elevate self.
1: When you lose humility, you lose everything.
0: When you have humility, you have everything. Don't say to yourself, I need money, I need, pro- I need people, I need provisions, I need this, that, and other." And God says, you have everything and everything will be given to you.
1: What you need is humility.
0: This is what we all need. To seek first the kingdom of God and to stay faithful to him in faith response, which leads to faith obedience. Then you have everything. Don't do what Saul did. Saul had everything and ended up with nothing. Great start, terrible finish. You want a great start and a great finish. Amen? If you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior and you don't know where you're going to go when you die, simply pray, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I receive you as my Savior. Thank you for loving me so much that you died for me so I can have eternal life with you. Amen.